back to the Rad Dad Podcast, episode 23. Zach and Joe are here with you on this Thursday evening, 9.04 p.m. Central Time. Joe, good evening. How are we doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Good day at the, good day at the golf course today. Uh, coming home, seeing that the... Uh, the Celtics are trying to make this series interesting, so we'll see if we can hold on to that. I just, I just saw that. I, yeah. It's still, it's still relatively early, correct? It is. So it's, it's about to go into the fourth. It's a buck forty-five left in the third. So I guess I could, I guess I could put it on. I do have a television. I was waiting on the, uh, the Golden Knights and the Stars. Tied up right now, right? Um. Yeah. Two-two. Did you see? I saw a couple tweets. I didn't actually read about it. What was it about? Um, weren't the uh, stars fans like throwing shit at the Knights players and stuff, or was it vice versa? It would have been. I want to say it was at Dallas right now. I think so. It would have been if it was the last game. It would have been Dallas fans throwing. I think. The series started in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, Maybe. I guess I can. I guess I can effort this real quick. Knights, Stars, fans. Uh, the Stars apologize for quote ah. unex- unacceptable fan behavior during Game Three loss to Golden Knights. So this was yesterday. That happens. They're 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 fed um, up. They're frustrated. They yeah, so they swept. President and CEO Brad Alberts put out a statement on behalf of the Dallas Stars organization. I would like to apologize to the Vegas Golden Knights and the National Hockey League for the actions of a few of our spectators at last night's game. Their actions were unacceptable and put the safety of the players and fans at risk. We take pride in providing the best experience for everyone who enters our arena. The actions of these individuals certainly do not reflect our great city, organization, and loyal fan base. They should just put up the the nets they have around like the back of the goal to stop the pucks, <laughs> just put it up around the whole thing. Then the fans can't throw anything. <laughs> like just back in the day it, with basketball, like when it used to like just, a stage they played in. Just, I was going to say, just make it like Jurassic Park three. Yeah. Where the big, the big like pterodactyls are in that big cage. I like it. It's, it's the one sport where we allow fighting and <laughs> it's violence like, on the, on the thing. So just let's, let's make it what it is. It's just, you know, yeah. I have always said this about sports. Um, with hockey, I feel like they do it. They do it right. Um, as the Celtics are now pouring it on, they are up twenty-three minute left in the third. Um, so hockey, basically, you you can fight, uh, you can throw hands, you drop the gloves and sticks. The uh, the uh, officials let it go. As soon as someone hits the ice, it's over. Done. Yeah. And done. it's a and it's like a respectable like the guys get up. They might exchange some words, but it's it's known like this is it. It's over. Yeah. That there's no more fighting. I've said that every sport should implement this because you get so many fake tough guys in football and basketball that want to run their mouth and talk shit because they know someone's going to stop it. Yeah. Cause you can't really like people make fun of it. Like in the NBA and the NFL, but like, honestly, if you actually land a punch in the NBA, like Lord knows how many games you'll be suspended for. So Probably it's like, they're not, really, the year. they're not really trying to land punches. I don't think they just swing wildly where if it's like, you know what? Like 
if you land a punch, then hey, you know, you're you're kicked out of the game or whatever, but that's it. Then I think you would see more punches landed. It's just they know that there's this weird thing now. Ever since what was it? Was it uh the was it Kermit Washington back in the day hit Rudy Tomjanovich, like broke his jaw and everything. And <laughs> what? Like, that's like what like broke like the NBA down. The NBA was like, yeah, we can't, we gotta, we gotta start calming some of this stuff down. Oh, see, I was thinking of like the mouse at the palace. No, no, man. It's like way before that, like back in the day, like when they did legitimately fight in the NBA, I think it was Kermit Washington, like broke Rudy Tomjanovich's like face. Oh, uh, excuse me. It was like one of those right sports in, fights right where you're like, the mic. you're like, uh, that's a, that's assault, brother. Like that, yeah, that's, that's assault, brother. Kermit yeah. Washington of the LA Lakers leveled Rudy Tomjanovich of the Houston Rockets during a scuffle. Yeah. Wash, Washington saw Tomjanovich approach out of the corner of his eye, turned into a nest. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, yeah, dude. He, like, I thought he killed him. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, there was, you know, he had to wear like a full on like face guard. Yeah. So, I mean, the the NBA used to kind of have it. And like I said, they've curtailed it. I don't, I mean, I don't ever remember like even in like looking at old times and watching old highlights, I don't ever remember the NFL having like, major fights or brawls or anything like that. I don't remember that. I mean, <laughs> the one that I always think of pretty recent Mississippi state in the, uh, bowl game. Well, uh, no, <laughs> no, I was thinking the NFL. Leach, God rest his soul. Just taking selfies in the state. Uh, them in Tulsa. Yeah. Yeah. The, the full brawls going on and Leach is just like taking selfies. He's like, what the hell's going on over here? Um, <laughs> yeah. The one I was thinking of was when Cortland Finnegan fucked around Ooh. and found out with Andre Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> and and Andre even, Johnson threw him around like a child. But even with that, like Andre Johnson had put up with a bunch, hadn't he? Finnegan had been kind of on his case for a little while. Oh, dude, it, Finnegan. Yeah, and it took a long time for somebody to react. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just saw the clip. Yeah, Kermit just like. That was square in the nose, but then oh, yeah. it hit him, and then he hit his head on the on the court. Yeah. Bad, bad. Yeah, that that was just like a straight like jab, like yeah. it wasn't like a full haymaker. But yeah, I know. I mean, that was whole. That was Finnegan's game. Was he would just yeah. talk shit and run his mouth constantly. Um, but yeah, that wasn't even really those those weren't really punches. Like Andre Johnson ripped his helmet off. Yeah. And they might they might have thrown a couple, but nothing was really landed. But yeah, I mean, well, hell, I mean, you had the egg bowl brawl back in what ninety seven? Yeah, I was gonna say I was late nineties, wasn't it? Hey, are you happy that game stayed on Thanksgiving? God, I hate I fucking hate it. Ah. The thing is, and correct me if I'm wrong. It did used to be kind of cool when there wasn't like evening NFL games, things like that. When it truly was kind of a standout game on Thanksgiving, that to me, that that was kind of cool. But now it's just kind of there's late NFL games. Yeah. I, I'm assuming that when Texas and Texas A&M start playing again, that'll go to Thanksgiving, correct? Like it was. Like – well, don't they typically play Friday? Who? 
Texas plays on Friday. Is that a Black Friday game? Yeah, like they – I don't know if it's A&M. Well, no, because they don't play A&M anymore. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. When they get back in the SEC. Yeah, they they always have a Big 12 game on thir- on Friday. I remember, now, I remember like Colorado and Nebraska used to play on Friday. Yeah. Now, like I don't like – I get why they want to do it because it's – the rivalry game, it's supposed to like it's the SEC and you want to have like a showcase game. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. Like, you know, it's Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Like, you're the only thing on. That's cool. But now they're not. There's an NFL game on now. Right. And so, like, I am I was a little surprised that they went ahead and just leaned into it and, you know, hey, we'll just go ahead and do it because they've been doing it for so long. But yeah. Now, this year it doesn't matter, but for Mississippi State fans, it does. I've always said when you do it on Thanksgiving, like you're you're basically taking away a home game because it's a holiday. Yeah. Not every not everybody's going to small town Oxford or small town Starkville to celebrate yeah. Thanksgiving. Like you've got the diehards that are gonna go, the season ticket holders that schedule the holiday around the game. Yeah, and then if if both teams if both teams are good, but if, if the home team is at least good, then, yeah, you might kind of get closer to, you know, that true kind of good atmosphere. But Right. Yeah, and look, I'll say this. When the game is on Thanksgiving and my team, which is Ole Miss, when they yeah. win, I mean, the weekend's awesome. I was about to say, it's a pretty cool weekend. You're, you're just kicking back like, hey – my team's already won. I can relax and watch all yeah. these other games. But when you lose, like, it, it sucks. Um, but, I mean, I get it. It's kind of like the brand. Like, ESPN always plays it up with all the yeah. old clips of all the games. And, I mean, now, I mean, it's gotten to where it's just silly with all the stuff that's happened in that game. I mean, you've got exactly, yeah. the brawl. You had DK Metcalf do the dog pee. Then Elijah Moore did the dog pee. And then... They missed the extra point, and Lane Kiffin's hired. It's just all kinds of wacky stuff. I mean, you have, you know, Dak and Poopgate, and um, the Dak comeback game. Yeah, that that overtime game. Um, I mean, you had the the complete blowout in the rain that basically got Houston not fired. Um, I mean, look, it's 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 not on the level of like the prestige of the iron bowl or the game or, you know, who else am I missing? But I I would say that it's right in line with like what, like we used to like the backyard brawl. Um, Yeah. West Virginia, Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's kind of within that realm of rivalry where maybe the, maybe the two teams that are playing, aren't like consistently playing for, you know, a national title or something like that. But the, the stakes always seem relatively high just due to odd ancillary things that are happening around it for whatever reason. Like it just, it, it's funny. I mean, it's just kind of a, when I, when I didn't, you know, when I was living away from home and, in theory, I don't have a dog in the fight. I mean, it's just, it's a fun game for me to watch. I've got friends on both sides, this and that, but you know, to me, when I lived away from home, it was just kind of cool seeing the state of Mississippi on a national, 
spotlight. Now there was some dumb shit that happened sometimes. And it's like, well, that's kind of embarrassing, but yeah, most of the time it's, Hey, you know, it's kind of cool. You know, it's the two flagship universities of the state, um, you know, getting kind of a national TV audience or so it's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, the, the true sense of the word rivalry is there. Like the hatred yeah. is, is 1000% there. It, you know, like you said, teams aren't competing for the West. They're not in the college football playoff, but it's going to be entertaining because you've got Lane Kiffin on one side and then you've got, you know, before, you know, rest in peace, Leech, Mike yeah. Leach. I mean, that was fun just because, you know, they're going to throw the ball 65 times and make it interesting. Well, that kind of, and, and not to sidetrack or anything, but I was kind of thinking about this the other day, just randomly. What a weird year for Mississippi State is this year. Like, it's very strange. I mean, uh, like, legitimately, can anything bad be said about like the job the staff does, or like where is this almost like a weird like year zero where nothing can really be too criticized or kind of too kind of gone after? I mean, people have to be realistic and be able to view the season through a lens of nuance and context because they're doing a complete overhaul in the offensive scheme. They're not running the air raid anymore. Arnett's a defensive guy, so it's going to be a very defensive-focused football team. Yeah. And I'm really interested to see how Will Rogers operates. So that was my question is, like, can he – I mean, is it harder to adjust from not doing the air raid to to the air raid, or is it harder to adjust from doing the air raid to something else? Probably going from the air raid to something else because I don't really know what he ran at. Did he go to Brandon? I think so, something like that. I mean, they probably ran some kind of hurry up, no huddle, you know, zone read type scheme. But, I mean, what what is this, his fifth year? I mean, he's been there forever. I yeah. mean, he's just inundated in that system, and, like, that's all he knows. But, I, I mean. Well, and it's kind of one of those things, too. And, and the, the, the guy I was talking to at work was a state fan, and I kind of asked him the question. I said, okay, let's say that Mike Leach would have been fired. Then would uh, – what, what's – I know you just said it. What's the coach's name now? Uh, Zach Arnett. Zach Arnett. I said, would Zach Arnett have gotten the coaching job in that situation? You know what I'm saying? It's uh, like, it's interesting. It's, I don't know. It's like, is I don't this, know this guy really ready for it? Like, is it, it's just a, dude, that's such a weird situation this year for them. Like, I, I don't, I, it's just odd. Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of one of those where, like, again, like people have to understand what's going on and like what the situation is, but also, yeah you almost kind of have to have a little bit of empathy. Yeah. Cause I mean, that, that it's not easy for anybody. Yeah. And I mean, they did have a full off season. Yeah. Cause I was trying to think when, um, when Fitzgerald took over for the guy that passed away at Northwestern, I, I couldn't remember the timeline. I think it was in the summer before. Okay. That was the summer. Okay. I, I couldn't remember the timeline of how all that worked out. Cause I mean, that's the only thing that I think can be compared to relatively. I think. Yeah, I mean, because we've we've talked about this before, and there haven't been many instances. Um, mm. But I don't know. I, I'll be interested. I did get my uh, 
my approval for credentials at media days. Um, nice. So I'll be interested to hear what, cause I'm sure that'll be a question that people ask. Will Rogers is, you know, what's yeah. the offense going to look like? And I mean, he's a guy that's been in college for a long time. He's played yeah. a lot of football. I don't think he's going to be completely, you know, brain dead or, you know, not know what to do with his hands, but um, it's going to be different. Cause uh, yeah. I mean, if anything, his arm's not going to be as tired. Cause I don't, uh, it's I about to say my, my, uh, my have a little Joe Milton situation where he just starts airmailing everything. He's got too much strength. <laughs> just chunking it at people in offices. Just people like, what is did going see, on? Like, did you see that? No, dude, there's a video on just, um, look up. I'll send it to you. He freaking, uh, fired a football at this kid in an office, which Milton did. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it was like, it wasn't even a full, like cockback full motion. Like he just kind of quickly just whipped it. And luckily the dude was smart enough to not even try to catch it. But yeah, Jesus Christ. It was like in the all. Oh, good Lord. Oh, dude. He freaking threw a fastball at this dude. Watch this. I mean, this poor kid is like, what do you think? Maybe five, seven. A buck. Oh, good Lord. Did you see how fast that was? And that was just like thrown in an office, like just from the, from the shoulder. Like he didn't even take it all the way back. Yeah. There was no, there's no lower body movement really at all. It's just, it is almost just straight arms. Good Lord. <sighs> well, I know I'm putting my future bet on for Heisman just because that one fucking clip. <laughs> Joe Milton for Heisman. But yeah, that was just weird. I, not not to sidetrack us, but yeah, I just I was thinking about the state football season this upcoming year, and it was just like that is a. I, I'm not envious of any writer that has to cover that team this year, because I don't know how you objectively do your job without just having an entire fan base come down on you constantly. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that it's, it's well, it's going to be tough because you're in the SEC where there's there, there are no there are no weeks where it's not going to be difficult. Exactly. Yeah. So there's no like, well, we got a we got a couple weeks stretch here. Gimme's like, no, like you're going to have your non-con in the beginning and that's it. I mean, let's pull up the schedule. I was going to say I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I'm seeing kind of if they did something stupid with their non-con or anything. Because they'll get a little so, weird with their non-conference sometimes. They do. There are some years where you're like, why are you doing this to yourself? All right, so you've got so you got C-Law to open the year. Then you got Arizona. Arizona. Oh, week three, you got LSU. <laughs> and then at South Carolina. Oh, God. LSU at South Carolina, Alabama. Jesus, that's September. I mean, you could be staring down the barrel of two and three. They play Western Michigan and they play a late game against Southern Miss. Yeah. At Why I play Southern Miss? What, what's Auburn. the yeah, what's the what's the point of playing Southern Miss if you're old Mr. Mississippi State? Dude, I think this is like the thing that Mississippi State does where they're like, okay, Ole Miss won't play, but we will. Like, we'll do it. We're not scared. You don't gain anything from it. It's exactly it's, it's like, like it's look, stupid. It's stupid all, for state and Ole Miss to play Memphis. <laughs> Other okay, than to 
you, other than to say, like, I guess, appease their fan bases that don't want to travel. But like they well, yeah, gain nothing cause both, from doing it because both programs have a ton of alum in Memphis. Yeah, and but it's like I yeah I mean it, it, I was gonna say it's the ultimate everything to lose, nothing to gain. Correct. Yeah. If you win, if you beat Memphis, it's like okay, it's a it's yeah. an American athletic school. You're supposed to beat yeah. them. If you lose, it's like my God, what the hell is wrong with you? What are you doing? It's like back in that. I remember going to like you know Rip Shear Day. Shout out Rip Shear. You know we would play. You know. Ole Miss and Arkansas and like state in the same season. I'm like, what the, like, what is happening? Like, why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. I, Missouri won you. We're playing Missouri again, but we played Missouri a little bit back in the day. Yeah. Like, just stupid stuff, man. The, 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 the battle for, for barbecue supremacy. Yeah. Which is my not first even, Memphis game was actually against, uh, against Miami, against the Butch Davis Miami team at the Liberty Bowl. That was my first Memphis game I went to. How did that one go? Uh, lost. <laughs> it was like two years before Butch really got him rolling down there, but it was uh, uh, it was the first the first game I went to. It was ninety six, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Santana Moss, I think, was a freshman on that team. Ooh, yeah. <sighs> um, so York is joining us here momentarily. So I didn't want to get too deep into the docket, but we can start here and I'm sure we'll have some thoughts on this one. But what a, I mean, just an absolute bummer of a, of a week. We lose the legend, the queen of rock and roll, Tina Turner. She yeah. passed away age 83. I mean, just a, just an unstoppable superstar really was and a person that i feel like once she once she was done and kind of tired of doing it she said what i'm gonna move to switzerland and yeah she married that guy that apparently they were just madly in love until the very end and she just kind of lived a life and it's like you kind of got to respect that like you know, so many of these people kind of just seemingly are doing it and going through the motions. It was like she lost the want to do it, you know, 150 nights a year and said, hey, I'm going to chill. I'm going to live my life and just kind of yeah. relax. And I put in a hell of a lot of work and dealt with a whole lot of shit. And I'm going to relax for the last 16, 20 years of my life. God bless her. Dude. <laughs> she was married to... Ike Turner, who for 16 years she can she can do it if she wants. I was going to say in, in marriage years that's actually 45 years with Ike. <laughs> yeah, um, proud uh, proud resident. Uh, she was you know, when, when she was with us, Brownsville, Tennessee. Brownsville. I was about to say I know you always because you passed the billboard on 40 coming yeah. into Memphis. I can remember the exact town it she, was. Uh, she she technically lived in the nearby rural unincorporated community of Nutbush. Nutbush. There we go. Yeah. There's your uh, Nutbush. That sounds like a town in Shout Arkansas, out. Tennessee. Yeah, it's in Haywood County. Oh, there we go. Um, but yeah, I, I remember, uh, I can't remember what show it was, but they went to like her house in Switzerland and whoever the host was was like, do you think this is enough? Because I mean, it was a, just a ridiculously gorgeous house. Yeah, and she was like, "No, I don't think it is enough. I think I deserve more." 
Love it. Hell yeah, Love Tina. It. But also, I lady, that, I mean, it's crazy. She, you know, if I'm not mistaken, from what I saw, you know, she performed with the Stones, like, on tours a few times, which is kind of crazy. You yeah. know. Two titans. Yeah. I mean, just the... I think I saw somebody say that if it wasn't for Ike, that she could have been like the biggest in the world, kind of along with like Aretha Frank, like that big. And that Ike was essentially just a person that kept her down and kept her down and kept her down. And then when she finally kind of broke free of it, you just had this like performer and this person that just exploded uh, kind of onto the sinks. I remember what was the commercial she did? Like she was the spokesperson for it. It was like a, it was like legs or something. Remember that? It was, I remember like going to uh, uh, like Sears back in the day and she would have uh like posters and stuff up and everything. I was like, who's this lady? Well, she, she did a bunch with Pepsi. Um, Ooh, she had a, uh, endorsement deal with Plymouth with Chrysler. Ooh, got it. Dude. Big time. Uh, let's see. Converse Haynes. That um, might've been, might've been Haynes. Yeah. I remember growing up target like, early nineties her being in Sears and just being like, Oh, who's this crazy? And then my mom being like, Oh yeah, I saw her at the Coliseum or something. And it's like, Oh, okay. It was just like, it's yeah. like, Oh, like proud Mary. And what's love got to do with it? And this and that, but some yeah, I was, so, somebody I was jamming that out, washing his car in the neighborhood the other day. And we were on a walk. I was like, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. So like mid seventies ish was when, her marriage with Ike Turner because he was just like addicted to blow. <laughs> and yeah, they there was an altercation. They were en route to a hotel in Dallas. She fled, hit out somewhere, and then filed for divorce shortly yes. after. Um yeah, it says after their separation, United Artists released two more studio albums credited to them as a duo. Mm. But yeah, I mean, before they were troubled and, you know, everything went to shit because Ike Turner was just a psycho. I mean, they were probably one of the biggest, you know, male-female duos in the business. I Ike mean, and Tina Turner review. And then I, I did see a really cool thing um, that... Uh, Gosh, John, uh, John Fogarty. Oh, yeah. Like the story about Proud Mary and how she asked if she could do it. And he was just like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, he was, uh, yeah, sure. He was <laughs> like, I was I was honored that she asked to do the song. And then like he performed <laughs> it with her, I think, several times, like playing the guitar. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because you kind of have two different types of people or maybe there's like that Venn diagram really is a circle because I don't think anyone ever really says like, Oh, that's a CCR song or, Oh, that's a Tina Turner song. They're like, nah, like they both did their own version and it was awesome. 
Yeah, I was going to say it's um, it's not like one blew the other one out of the water or anything like that. No, I mean, I do. I, I love listening to CCR, like playing golf. Like I yeah. typically gravitate towards that type of music when I play golf. But like I associate primary the Tina Turner version with like Rayfords or like weddings. <laughs> like yes. when the band fires up Proud Mary at a wedding, everybody's getting out there. I was gonna say, yeah, it gets uh it gets it's the it's the go-to if you gotta kind of get things livened up a little bit. Yeah. Um but yeah, that that was a bummer. I mean, it's kind of like one of those like you know, father times coming for everybody at some point. Yeah. You don't really you don't really think about it because you know we we don't know Tina Turner, but then like when you see it, you're like, oh fuck, like she was that old already. And then you got old Robert Zimmerman still uh poking away, just getting done with his Japan tour, old Bobby out there. Oh man. Just, Dylan ain't ever gonna die. That dude's just he's just hanging around, man. Dude, he is how old is he now? He got to be in his mid 80s. 82. 82. That's a hard 82. Oh, dude, he looks like hammered shit. <laughs> <laughs> he looks 82. And he's still just, he's on that never ending tour or whatever. Like, like I said, he's been, I know last month he was in Japan playing because he had played a couple songs for the first time. And it's like, dude, just Japan. Yeah. It's like sold out theaters and stuff. It's like, what the hell, dude? dude. You go there. I mean, it's either Fast and Furious or Bob Dylan. They love it. Or Weezer, but if it's Weezer, I mean, that's a little Ooh. weird. Because yeah, they're <laughs> watch out for Rivers Cuomo if you're a Japanese girl. Just say that. That's a little dicey. <laughs> oh man. Um. Jeez. Yeah. I. Yeah, that was a bummer. She was a goat for sure. Um. I'm trying to look. At the uh, at the docket, we can get into it because I'm sure whenever well, you're joining I've us. got I've got something I was gonna kind of because you you've got both their names on here, but I was gonna kind of okay. ask you that's what I was gonna from a to different this. angle. So you've got you got Jokic and you got LeBron there, and I mean, truth be told, him you can't say enough good about either. LeBron has his you know he's LaFlop and this and that whatever. He's a great basketball player. Joe is great basketball player. All that stuff. But I want to ask you the question from this perspective. So you're a writer, you're a journalist. From your perspective here, looking in from the outside to the NBA, has it become – it just – it seems like so many people complain about – well, oh, the Lakers are out now. The ratings are going to be low, blah, 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 this or that. Is that just because of the journalists that are covering the NBA right now are just lazy and they don't want to find the good stories on the Nuggets, which have plenty of good stories in my mind? Or is it just they're mad they're not going to get to go to L.A. for some finals games? Because I mean, it, just, it just seems lazy. It just seems like journalism around the NBA is just lazy now a lot of the time where it's 
oh, crap, you mean I got to write about, you know, a guy that could have been a three-time MVP and, you know, Michael Porter Jr. coming off of back surgery, which who knew he was going to come back and be, you know, Aaron Gordon, who was like this, you know, franchise-type player who's now kind of playing this specific role. Like, there's to me, there's all kinds of good stuff to write about the Nuggets. And you've got like 80% of the NBA being like, well, okay, whatever. Is LeBron going to retire? It's like, well, no, LeBron's not going to fucking retire. Yeah. He's not going to do it. Why are you even <clears throat> taking the bait on it? Like, it just seemed that they're lazy. It's kind of wild now that you mention it because I haven't really thought of it. But, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just still that Nikola Jokic doesn't quite move the needle for everyone, despite – how dominant he's been over the last couple of years. Well, he's not boring. It's not like he, he's not Tim Duncan. Like this is he, a guy that like has incredible passes and hits incredible well, shots. Like, okay. So you bring, I'm glad you said that because Tim Duncan, like the mannerisms and like his, his body language. Yeah. is very Tim Duncan. But the, like he, but the play is, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I agree a thousand percent, but I think that that's kind of why he's not propped up because he's not flashy. He doesn't talk a lot. He's very unassuming with how he goes about his business. Like that. And I wouldn't say that hurts him because he's, you know, probably going to win an NBA title this year. I don't think yeah. the Celtics or the Heat can beat them. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know who stops him, but. Yeah, that's probably if you're having to nitpick to find something, that's probably it. He's just not your flashy, big, you know, big blockbuster name in a big blockbuster market. And he's not, you know, talking shit and like being yeah. like he he is flashy. Like, yeah, I mean, he tripled up more triple doubles than anybody in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Like in history of the league. Um <coughs> That's probably it. And I mean, yeah, like the LeBron stuff is just easy stuff to talk about. Like the, but, the retirement stuff was so lazy because he's not retiring. Like not retiring. he's pretty much said he's going to at least play with one of his kids in the NBA. Yeah. Would, would you say, so like, let's say that, because the way I look at it is this, if, if I'm a guy covering the NBA, then if I get a chance to talk to Jokic, I look at that as the opportunity of, you know what, maybe people just haven't asked him the right questions yet. This is a guy that obviously has a great basketball mind. You know, he does things that very few people have done in the history of the league sometimes. You know, maybe I just – so, like, like, if you're interviewing a guy, let's say, and you know going into it, well, this is – you know, this I've heard this guy's tough to talk to, this and that. Do you kind of look at that almost as a challenge of, well, maybe – maybe the other people just didn't do it the right way. Maybe they weren't asking the right questions or things like that. I just feel like it's just lazy for people just to say, ah, he's, he, he's just boring. He is. I mean, Belichick's boring, but if he get at, if you could ask him the right question and he'll go on a 15 minute talk with you about it, but you just got to find yeah, that. Right yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's, that's something that, a, a good journalist can separate himself from yeah. others where it's like, okay, you can ask the basic, yeah. you know, what was it that, how, do, how do you feel? Like what the fuck yeah. are you do? Talk about this. Like, Ugh. like, yeah, the easy question, 
<laughs> what made you guys so successful against the Lakers? Yeah. What was it? What, what did you, what, you know, what do you feel like your team, you know, what was it that, that had y'all so successful against, you know, LeBron, one of the greatest players of all time. That's yeah. easy stuff, but yeah, like you got to dig a little deeper and ask questions. <clears throat> like one of the things that I, um, I remember hearing from someone and I always try to do this when I do interviews. It's like, you kind of want to ask trying to give another way to describe it's not leading questions, but like questions to where you lead the person you're interviewing to lead the interview where it's giving them like, like some breath to, to yeah, expound like, or to talk a little bit more. Well, yeah. Like first off, obviously an open-ended question that's not yes yeah. or no, but like something that's going to make them think, but also talk about them or, or talk about an event or something that happened. It, it's not just like, Hey, so you had 40 points and, you know, 19 rebounds and 11 assists tonight. What was really working for you? Well, obviously everything was fucking working because you had a triple double. Like you got to think a little deeper of like, yeah, whereas if you ask, you say, hey, you know, when you were running the pick and roll with Joel Murray, it didn't seem like things were going that great at the beginning. And it seemed like there was almost an adjustment of, you know, Aaron Gordon kind of flashing in this direction that all of a sudden opened it up. Is that something that was play- you got to go a little bit deeper? Yeah, I mean, like something like. Hey, you've you've really seen Jamal Murray and Contavious Caldwell Pope really step up in the postseason this this year. How do you think your play has affected their yeah. game and given them opportunities to where it's like you ask them about his teammates and himself and their game, yeah. like all all encompassing? I feel like you're going to get a much deeper, you know, multi layer answer. Yeah, than just like, hey, why'd you score so many points tonight? Like. And that's the, that's the frustrating thing about watching because I, I used to be pretty good about like watching the when they would air the post game press conference. Yeah, I would watch it and you know, okay, might be able to find something interesting, but it's they're almost hard to watch now, like they really are. It's just, it's like you said, it's yes and no questions, or it's ones where the players just look back at who asked the question. It's like, did you watch the game? Like, did you? Yeah. Or, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like some of the some of the greatest, like I Kevin Van Valkenburg is one that mm-hmm. he he does some really good things in in press yeah. conferences, and obviously his like pieces are great because it's one on one. But when yeah. you're in a room like that, you've got to be very targeted and very very meticulous with what you're asking because you don't know how many yeah. questions you're going to get. Yeah. So you almost need to ask a question that's going to give you multiple answers. And just um, never ask Mike Gundy why he's not playing player. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, there, there are certain guys that are equally as good interviewers as they are writers. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, there, there are certain guys that, they don't even have to have like played the game or know a ton about the sport, but especially when you're doing like a, like a profile or like an in-depth piece about some guy, it's more about the player and knowing them than it is knowing about how well they play whatever sport they do. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably what's lacking. And then also, I mean, just, 
the industry in general, like media is just so like instantaneous, like the turnover of content is like you, you, you got to churn stuff out and you got to get yeah. something out there and it's, you know, you can be really clickbaity. I mean, I know the industry that I'm in and, and the, the business is a lot about, you know, what's, what's going to grab people's eyeballs. Like what, what kind of good quote can you get about X team or this coach or this school? I mean, that's big is you know hey like when when Saban and and Jimbo were kind of going back and forth last summer everybody's just taking like just let me get a quote please god give me one line that's all i need yeah i mean that's all media days is going to be yeah it's just trying to just get something you can run with is that still in hoover it's in nashville this year okay i i, I in the back of my head i thought it had moved and i just wasn't sure uh, where was it last year? The baseball tournament's still in Hoover, though, isn't it? Yeah. Media Days was in Atlanta last year. Ugh. So, yeah, they're no longer doing it. Um, <clears throat> oh, what was that? But the offices are still in Birmingham, right? Or have they moved? Yeah, yeah. The, um, the Winfrey is the hotel they would do it in Hoover all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> I like it being in Nashville. I don't have to... I don't have to get a hotel. <laughs> you just gotta go to the uh was it the so, was it the American that did the clam bake for a couple of years? <laughs> yeah. That's the one you gotta go to, man. Yeah, that would be that would be dope. Go I wanna to try to bake. I wanna try to um get a uh I mean it's it's coaches only, but it would be cool if they would let uh media go for the 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 coaches meetings in Destin. Oh God. And just see like, all right, which coach is gonna get the most hammered on like uh what are the what are the uh bushwhackers? Like who's your, gonna be what, the well who's the who's, who's the, the news that's, who's the old Miss DC now? He looks like he might uh, be a oh, Pete, for that. Pete Golding. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that dude looks like he lives at Florida. I was gonna say, looks like he literally looks like a guy that took six years to graduate and then never left the frat house. And they were like, "Hey, do you want to come coach defense?" What was that? Was that was that a picture that you sent like last week of him wearing like loafers at practice? Yeah, he was at like a spring game, and he had on, you know, he had the the fraternity uniform on. He had the the khaki shorts, the quarter zip. And the hat, and then he had the uh, driving shoes on. Jesus Christ! Just, just straight out of rush. <sighs> just went from you know he had, he had been ripping gin and tonics all through rush, so it looks like water. And then he had to go scout some uh, some defensive players. Um, <laughs> so I ask you this: we 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 talked more Jokic, but <clears throat> we'll loop in LeBron here. Is Brian Windhorse, new cash cow, gonna be Victor Wimbanyama. It's got, it's got to be. He went Wendy, all the way Wendy, over. He went all the way over to Paris. Hey, when he knows that LeBron's career is winding down, <laughs> he's got to find something. Dude, he said, "Man, I, I got mean, this French unicorn." Him. Props to him. Like he turned that whole thing in to a career. Which, hey, it's not a bad. You know, it's it's not a bad CV to have. You know, when you can go to Wimbledon's agent and be like, "Look, man, LeBron, 
I got him a lot of good press. I, I got a lot of stuff out for him and did that. Like I can do the same for you. And Wimby's agent is just like, yeah, it's fine. I guess whatever, man. Like who's this, who's this large, like pale white man in front of me right now? I'm like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Also, Brian, how have you lived in Miami for so long and you're still pale? That dude, I, two things never goes out or B there is some sunscreen that we don't know about. Like only like famous people get. <laughs> And like he, he got gets, it from LeBron. He got it. Yeah, he got it. LeBron was like, hey, uh, uh, Wendy, uh, you gotta struggle down here, brother. Try this stuff. Yeah, I got this from uh from China. It's, like I said, it's from the makers of the people that make the stuff that always make always make rich people's hair wet. <laughs> it's from the same people that they make the same products. Okay, you know the stuff that Pat Riley's put in his hair? This is this is that good, but it's sunscreen. Um yeah, I <laughs> We okay, so here's a question. So I put it in the group today the video of Michael Jordan. Um, when uh, oh god, what the dude from the Vancouver Grizzlies, yeah, um, what was his fucking name? Um, Derek Martin, yes who is just talking shit to Jordan because he's playing terrible. And then Michael Jordan scores 24 points in 10 minutes to win. And then after he hits like the last jumper, he turns to the bench and he's like, uh, what does he say? Shut up, you little bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking about, um, about killers in the NBA and how Jordan's definitely won. I said Jordan, Kobe, and Larry Bird were the three that came to mind. Yeah, I think I think Jordan and Kobe more so than Bird. Even like I, I don't think, and people, I, I, and I'm, I'm not saying this as he was a like I'm not saying he was an evil person, but Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant weren't like good people. Like they, they would they would step on your throat to get ahead, which is what made them very successful and made them very good at what they, what they do. It made them maybe, you know, in the top three of all time at what they do. Yeah. Um, I think bird was close to that. You know, I, I think that, man, I just, I would say, I would say Larry was a little more tongue in cheek. Yeah. He was almost like too he, playful with it sometimes. Like he wanted to kill you. Yeah. But, but he was very like, he would, he would, he would, he would do a little smirk, a little cracker. Yeah. Grin. But, but I feel like, like people were, yeah. Like people were more scared of like Robert Parrish on those. Robert Parrish would have killed you. You know, he, he, he would have <laughs> murdered you. you I know, mean, Larry wasn't going to murder you. Larry, Larry might mess with you a little bit. He wouldn't murder you. I mean, yeah. Jordan and Kobe would murder you. I mean, they, they, in the uh, nicest possible way of saying it, they were kind of psychos and were just singularly driven. Tiger Woods the same way. Oh, Tiger, great person. 1000% a killer. Yeah, but steps in people's throats. And I mean, I always thought that was a unfair criticism of LeBron in the fact that LeBron James, for all of his faults and for people hating him and, and everything, LeBron James is probably a pretty nice guy. Like, you know, he's some got would, some would say he's too nice. Yeah. I mean, he's got what seemed to be 
pretty good kids. You know, I'm I'm sure that married to his high school sweetheart. Exactly. And it's, it's like, he's just kind of a nice guy that is extremely good at basketball, but he doesn't have that want to be maybe the way he would need it to have been to move into that, that level of where, you know, Jordan and Kobe were. And I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I think there's nothing wrong with being a good person. Like there isn't, but I think just very few people are built to ascend to that very singular level at the very top. And it, it, it takes some narcissism and some selfishness and some just meanness to be at that level. Yeah, we talked about that today about how LeBron is without question an all-time great, probably a top yeah. five player all time. But yeah, he's not in that tier of dudes that would just absolutely break your leg to win a game. Yeah. But like, I mean, that was probably the best part to me of the last dance was at the end when it was probably the most human that my, the most vulnerable he's ever been Yeah, where he was talking about how he pushed all of his teammates and he wanted them to win as much as he wanted to win. And he wanted everyone to succeed as bad yeah. as he did. And, you know, to a fault and, you know, he, he kind of tears up at the, at the end and he's like, you know, that's the way I played. And if you don't want to play like that, then don't play like that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, for a guy and there's that, really, like, like Michael Jordan doesn't have a lot of guys he hangs out with probably. You know, no, I think no, he like, doesn't have a lot of friends. Yeah. I mean, there's a story that, that Wright Thompson did, you know, years ago where he hung out with him and, you know, he's got like five or six, like really close buddies. And like, that's it. Like, you know, this is a guy who was the most famous person in the world. And I, in a weird way, he didn't care, I guess, you know, it's. Well, I mean, he's notorious for being banned from country clubs for gambling too much and for yeah. like fighting people when he would lose and, you know, cause he was such a competitor, but um, I mean, dude, the, the redeem team documentary where Kobe, you know, when he first gets there and I, I think it was Carmelo <laughs> that came up to him. One of them was like, Hey man, we're so glad you're here. Like you're finally on the team. Like we're ready to roll. Like let's do this. And, and Kobe just kind of like looks at him with like his plate of food. And he's just like, yeah, I was tired of seeing y'all fucking lose. And then just like walked off. Like, like I'm not here to be friends. I'm here to win a fucking yeah. gold medal. Like leave me yeah. alone. And then, you know, running through pow in the game like that. <laughs> it was like, what was, yeah. I think it was Le- LeBron when he was like, you're not my teammate right now. Get up, bitch. Like, yeah. I mean, just, just a killer, like just crazy. But um, I don't know if you saw the athletic piece that came out in like 2020 talking about Larry Bird was like the greatest trash talker ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of these one liners from people are so good. Like there's one that says, I say this in the utmost complimentary way. Larry was a prick. Um, Like a Kevin Gamble, one of his teammates said he would run by you and say, quote, I told you motherfucker. I told you I was going to do that. Um, Like, 
And then like they said, like uh, he would pump fake and, and and get people to jump. And then he would slap their ass on the way by and then shoot it. <laughs> um, and see, like to me, that's not mean. <laughs> like, that's just you're just talking. No, I, mean, shit. I mean, he was you know? just ruthless and just would laugh at you. Um, yeah. I mean, the best the best story ever was when he won the three point contest in the in his warm ups, like didn't even yeah, take never his took warm ups off. off. But when he showed up in the locker room, he walked in and was like, all right, which one of y'all is getting second place? And and the thing is, the warm-ups back then aren't the warm-ups now. The warm-ups now, like, you know, they're built to, like, be moved in, this and that. Dude, those warm-ups back in the 80s, those things were, like, satin jackets that were stiff, man. Yeah, dude, they were, like, button-downs. Like Exactly. Um, Heavy starch. Yeah, I mean, like, there was – Terry Porter said, my rookie year in Boston, he had the ball <laughs> in the deep corner – I was sprinting to close out and he was in his famous form and he shot it as I was running out and he said, too late rookie. And he said, I didn't even know he was a trash talker. I got to the bench and told Clyde and he was like, yeah, he does that all the time. <laughs> I mean, Mike Gaminski, he, oh, would, drive down the, he would drive down, he would drive down the lane and I would try to block his shot. And he'd say, what are you jumping for? You're not going to get this. <laughs> I mean, they, they, I mean, just people talking about like how confident he was. That's probably like the difference. Like he was just like really confident and had a lot of swagger before yeah. like swagger was cool. Yeah. Whereas like Jordan and Kobe were like assassins. It's weird. Like I don't even associate the word swagger with like Jordan or Kobe. It was just something different. I can't really describe it, but I, it wasn't swag. It's, there's got to be something other than swagger, like above swagger, when you just know, like you just know you're gonna do it, and it's not even, it's it's not even a self confidence. It's just it was so ingrained in both of them to where I don't think they ever doubted themselves, which is a really weird thing. Like I can't imagine going through life. And not saying that they they obviously did things incorrectly sometimes, but I don't think either of them in their playing career ever doubted themselves, which is insane. I mean, it's just that level of talent. Yeah. And just like preparation of just knowing you're just gonna you're just gonna be successful. I mean I mean, think about I it. Mean, think about the the hours and hours that some of the athletes that we know of now, because they're more open about it, have to go through with different sports psychologists, just regular psychologists and everything to kind of work through stuff. And as far as I know, neither of those guys did that. And they just had, <laughs> it's just weird. Man. It's, it's <laughs> you almost got to say there's something different just in the way they're built or something like their brains or like something's off or something like that, but it actually makes them that way. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, <laughs> I, you know, we, we use the term all the time, built different. Like yeah, those guys were absolutely yeah. built different. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Just scrolling through these. A lot of it is like over and over bird, just telling people what he's going to do and then doing it. Like I, just remember, telling, I remember hearing that like Adam Morrison was really, you know, mean with his trash talk back in the day. Like he was a really good college trash talker, but he'd be like, yeah, I hope your mom dies and gets hit by a train. It's like, Oh God. <laughs> But you were just going super Jesus. dark all of a sudden. If you were like, dude, that actually kind of hurts my feelings, man. He's like, I don't care. 
Yeah, I mean, one of these was like Barkley was guarding him in a in a late game situation, and the Celtics had the ball, the chance to win, and he like told or like uh, Gaminsky was like, you know what he's, you know who's getting the ball, right? And Barkley was like, yeah. And I guess like before they inbounded it, like uh, Larry gets the ball or before he gets the ball, he says, I'm going to take two dribbles down the baseline and shoot. And he literally did it. And the, I guess one of the players was like, yeah, as soon as it left his hand, we all started walking towards the tunnel. Just knew it. Yeah, like, like it was in. Um, I mean, outside of tiger, like who, are there any other like golf killers? I mean, uh, I would. I mean, I think I the would classic say, I would, one would be Ben Hogan. Um, yeah, I mean, last weekend. Of, last weekend, Brooks Brooks kind of had that look again. It's funny. I, I I do think that the only thing that I think would be a differentiator is Tiger would do that every time he teed it up. And Brooks admittedly doesn't necessarily care about non-major events. Right. Because you know why? Because it's really it's really fucking hard just to get yourself up for whatever event. And I the think Charles that's Schwab what separates – Yeah, I think that's what separates a guy like Tiger – or I mean, a guy like Hogan back in the you know the guys back in the day were playing for their livelihood. I mean, they they, they legitimately had to win golf tournaments and, and play well to make money. Um, but I think that's what separates it is, you know, Tiger cared if he won, you know, any tournament he teed it up in, and he never because because his cut streak will not be beat. His consecutive cut streak will stay around oh. forever. Like it won't be because nobody nowadays either needs to if they need to they don't have the talent to do it if they have the talent to do it they don't need to they can take a week off and that's something that i think would be the separator between tiger and like brooks or tiger and phil things like that is that his mindset was if i'm showing up i want to win this is the most important tournament to me this at this point in time and he would make the cut he put himself into contention you know that that might be his most impressive thing he's done. Yeah, I mean that's just remarkable yeah. that he's able to like. It's just crazy. Is what was the final number with it? Let's see, Tiger Cut Street. One hundred forty-two. Yeah, 142 consecutive tournaments not missing the cut. Mm. That is insane. 82 PGA Tour career victories. Tied with Sam Snead for the most in history. I just don't know if he can get to 20. I don't think he can get to Jack. No, no. His He's just too fucked. Um... I mean, 15 as a pro, 18 overall. He, I mean, is he going to get one more win? I don't think so. I don't think just because his body's falling off too much. 
20 holes in one. <laughs> That's just insane. Yeah, I was trying to think, you know, um, we mentioned, so Kobe, Jordan, Tiger. Um, Bobby Hull was kind of a dick and he was very successful, but I don't know if it was like in that way necessarily. I'm just trying to think of other sports. I'm going to Google sports killers. Oh boy, this is not a good list. Aaron Hernandez is the first name that pops I was up. Say, that's a risky one to pop up there, yeah. Well, and it's also, I think in some sports, there is just too much of a team aspect to it to where maybe the person that's like that just doesn't succeed as as well as, as in an individual sport. <laughs> There's a 35 meanest athletes of all time. This is from 2011 on Bleacher Report. Let's see who's on here. Number one is... Oh, Jesus. Ray Carruth. Good Lord. Number two is Michael Vick. I mean, come on. 2011, I guess, was still fairly close to the the dog fighting stuff. John McEnroe's on here. John McEnroe wasn't mean. Tanya Harding. Tanya Harding, she was mean, but Jeff Gluley or whatever, he was even meaner. Kermit Washington's on here, bringing it full circle. Look at that. Let's that's just tough. That, that's, that'll be kind of my homework for the next episode is trying to figure out another sports who was. What about Barry Bonds? Would you put him in that category? He, he didn't Ooh, give a shit. I got one. Same sport, Ty Cobb. I've heard, but if you, if you watch, um, if you watch some of the stuff like, uh, like some of the Kim Burns stuff and things like that, they, they kind of act as if some of the Ty Cobb stuff is overblown. Yeah. I don't think he was a nice guy by any means. They kind of spike spikes up though. Hey, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, this is more of just like who's mean. Bob Gibson is pretty. Mean. Yeah, Albert. But once Bell. again, I just I just don't see. I I just think that some sports just lend themselves to that a little bit more. I mean, you can individually take over a basketball game. You are an individual in golf. You are an individual in tennis. Um, maybe Pete Weber in bowling. Um, you know. Yeah. I think it'd be hard to do that in football or in, in, in hockey or in the baseball. There, there's such a team element about, to it. Uh, he was kind of, yeah, maybe Randy Moss. I still view him that way. Though. Dale Earnhardt's on here. He was the best. Randy Boss was the best I've ever seen at his position. And, I think he's the best receiver of all time. And that's the thing. I mean, I, I I can only attest to watching Jerry Rice not in his prime and and seeing highlight tapes of his prime. But Randy Moss was the best player at his particular position in my lifetime that I've seen. Yeah. And Calvin Johnson's amazing, and those guys are amazing. But Randy Moss was just. 
some of the single season <laughs> stuff he did will never be touched. Yeah. I mean, he was just remarkable. Um, yeah, I mean, it's that's a tough one. Where yeah, we'll have to do some homework on that. Yeah, that's that's my homework for next week. That and trying to get through like my PGA instruction guide to become certified. <laughs> that's another eight hundred pages or so. So we'll keep on chalking that away. What about all right? I I don't know if York's gonna be able to join us. He's he's got some he's got some real life stuff. He's yeah. York's got with. some. We'll say potential. Yeah, there will it's definitely not, be. It's news. not a bad. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, definitely be news. Potentially big news. We'll just have to see. That's what we call in the business a teaser. Um, we could do like a two man draft here. I'm down for it. Do the do the two man draft is like the wrap up. Yeah, um, I'm down for that. The what's on what's on the sheet, right? Yeah, fast food chicken. Hell yeah, I'm down for that. All right, so now fast food has to be a national chain. Can it be local chain? Can it be? It what's can be the... lo- Yeah, it can be local, but stick strictly to fast food or like fast casual. And then are we talking about bone in chicken or just any chicken? It can be any chicken. Okay. Okay. I like this. I like this. And it can be any item, like not sandwich. It can be sandwich. It can be wings. Okay. Chicken breast, tenders, whatever you want to do. Okay. Okay. I like um, it. All right. So you you fire away. I would say my and just I, I think the number one you kind of have to go classic. You have to go bone in chicken. Um. My favorite bone-in chicken, and it's it's local to the area, but it has become a little bit of a national chain, I think, is when you get a good batch of Gus's chicken, mm. it's it's good. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's, it's got a good spice. It's got a good texture to the breading. The meat is always juicy. I mean, now have I had bad – which – with you, you have bad batches of fried chicken sometimes. But when you get yeah. a good batch of chicken from Gus's – it is all I. I always overeat it, so to me that shows that it's pretty damn good. All right, I'm gonna go, and it's something that I have only had for maybe like a decade. Yeah, out of the 35 years I've been on this earth, but I think the the lineup is deep. They don't uh, really have a weakness. I'm gonna go raising canes. Ooh. Like See, I, I've never, I, I've never had it. I want to try it, but I've just never had it. So obviously, you know, chicken fingers are kind of the the staple. But I mean, you can get anything like any kind of sandwich on a Kaiser roll. Um, I know a lot of people give me shit for actually getting slaw when I get like tender meals because everybody's like, "No, get extra toast." If it's good I slaw. Think, it's good slaw. Yeah, I think they have really good slaw. Um, and yeah, the tenders are good. The sauce is pretty comparable to like Zach sauce. Um, the crinkle cut fries are always good. Little spice on them. You know, it's funny. I think the closest one for me is at the pavilion. Oh, there you go. So I think I'll I'll go down to uh, one. Go down to a Ole Miss basketball game next year. Get some raisin canes. Yeah, go see Chris Beard in action. 
I know that I know that that raising canes in the pavilion is super successful because they leave it open, like they leave the concourse open because there are other restaurants in there too. So you so, can go in there during the week and just. Get it's food. funny. I, I kind of wondered that. I was like, I wonder if this is something to where it's like part of the university dining plans. They leave it open, or like how that works. You know. Oh yeah, you can go in there and use the uh, use the dollars. That's pretty the, cool. Uh, the meal plan dollars, yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty sad. That's a, that's a cool little thing. Just sit All down, right. watch like open practice while you're just eating your lunch. <laughs> just listen to Chris Beard yell at people. <laughs> that's it. just like yeah. I just hear a bunch of cussing every day. It's crazy. All right, that's so a good one though. That's what I, I got to try. That that's that's a goal of mine. I want to try raising canes by the end of the year. That's a goal of mine. It's it's legit. All right, I got to do that. All right. So what are you going with next? two and this is this would be just anything chicken from them is really good whether it's bone in whether it's the strips whether it's in the morning time you get a biscuit but if you've got one in your area definitely go to it you know good people there normally good prices and that would be dodges chicken oh yeah dodges station chicken baby the staple that Dodge's chicken is always just so good, man. So good. And because I'm on a personal boycott of Popeye's chicken right now. What happened? Because of just people think shitty service is cute. It's not. I don't want to wait a fucking hour for my <laughs> fucking meal. Get the shit right, assholes. So I go to Dodge. Part of the it's part of the mystique and the charm. Yeah, just bullshit. Like blow me. Um Plus, I also cussed out that Popeyes when I was doing DoorDash. So I don't know if I'm allowed back there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this crazy white man doing in here? Um, Dodges, though, consistently, no matter what I get there, I said their bone ins good, their strips are good, but their their chicken biscuit in the morning, man, because their biscuits are really good too. Their chicken biscuit in the morning is solid. I mean, like on the level yeah. to me of. Like Bojangles Cajun Chicken Biscuit, it's like on that level. It is delicious. Um, I'm going to go with a staple for me. Okay. Especially when I'm on the road traveling. I need something quick, and I know that across the board, it's going to be consistent, and it's really hard to screw up, and it's their, it's their like, specialty item it's like what they do best or at least what i think they do best and i'm gonna go with wendy's and the spicy chicken sandwich spicy chicken which i think is the best spicy chicken sandwich in the fast food game it is it is i well that's a good one i mean i always go number six with a jbc and then i get the, the spicy nugs on the side too Dude, and what's funny is I forget about that. Like, I can't tell you the last time I had that, but it is that is a really good sandwich. And if I can remember right, the bun's a little bit different, but it's always like kind of a soft, good bun. Like it's different oh, yeah. than their burger bun, I think. And it's just, oh, man, it's a good, it's a good sandwich. It's always got the right amount of mayo. Yeah, the crunchy. They do the legit like iceberg lettuce. Yeah, it's got the, I always said like that one piece and it's like super like firm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get the crunch and then the nuggets, like the spicy nuggets are so good. 
Now, back in the day, and I don't know if you do this move, but I, I used to get that. But then I would get, and this is something that I think from them is also very good. I would get maybe a honey mustard or two, and I would dip it in the honey mustard too when I was taking bites. Okay. Really good because they're I love their honey because their honey mustard's got a little bit of a, a little bit of a kick to it almost. It's got a little like almost like horseradish in it. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I I love their honey mustard. Great honey mustard. Now, as someone talking about sauces, you'll appreciate this. It's not. I'm not going to draft it, but I'm going to throw it out there. McDonald's chicken nuggets are still. They still hold up. They're still so good. But you got to yep. get the hot mustard. But not not every not every place offers the hot mustard anymore. It's not nationwide anymore. Well, thank God the the Nashville one does. I know there's one in Olive Branch that has it, one that doesn't. So I guess I guess they're two different franchise owners or whatever, and one has it, one doesn't. And I don't know how long they're doing it, but they're doing uh, the Big Mac sauce as a dipping sauce now too. Oh, didn't know that. Like a specialty, yeah. Were you a fan of when they did the spicy nuggets? Did you get those? I thought they were good. Amanda loved those. She was all over those. I remember having they were pretty solid. I like. I mean, I just think their their classic nugget is just top notch. It's kind of they have the the three shapes: the boot, like the oval, and then yeah, the kidney shaped one. Right, had little characters. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so I've got my my third one. I'm gonna go a little bit. I'm gonna go a little bit regional. Okay. Not the region I live in though. Now, one of the things that I actually miss about the region I moved from, and this is something that I would tell people: if you're traveling through the Mid Atlantic and you see one of these, you need to stop. And I would say, quite possibly, my favorite chicken tenders of all time. All their chicken's good, but the chicken tenders were. I mean, I'm a fat ass, so I would like leave work at about an hour and a half commute from from where I worked at to my house, and I would get a pre dinner dinner of like those chicken tenders, and I might mm-hmm. try to dip it in sauce and shit while I'm driving down 95. Lucky I'm still alive, but that would be Royal Farms, Royal Farms gas stations mm-hmm. in the Mid Atlantic area of this country, folks. I'm just telling you, you stop, you get the chicken, and you thank me later. That's what you do there. I mean, do these ten? I, we have the same microphone. The yeah. tenders are as big as the fucking microphone. Okay, these things are fucking honking at you. Okay, they are legit. I say that's like two tenders in one, dude. So you, I would just get the three piece, and they do potato wedges, and that would be my pre-dinner Ooh. dinner. It's and like I wonder the, uh, sometimes why I weigh close to 300 pounds. It's a, <laughs> it's a perplexing thing. I don't know why that, I don't know why that is. It's like on King of Queens where, uh, when he would get the pre-dinner Whopper. <laughs> hey, you know what, Kevin James, I've always looked up to him. Um, I would say it's, I'm going to go regional, but now they're kind of everywhere. Um, the first time I ever had it, was when I was in Texas for work. Um, and I had never heard of it before, saw it, and I was like, all right, it's chicken, can't go wrong. But I'm going to go with Slim Chickens. Have you ever had that? Yes, yes. They're, uh, my cousin worked there randomly, and uh, they are, man, I forgot about them. They are um, They're good. They're really good. 
buttermilk, ham breaded. They toss them. Um, and I've had their, uh, the smoky cheddar wrap is also very good. Mm-hmm. You can get it fried or grilled. Um, they do do a chicken and waffles. I haven't had it, but it looks, it looks good. good. I remember seeing it one time when I was eating it. It does look good. But yeah, man, just, and then like they have, um, the little desserts they have are good too. Yeah. And then they have house sauces. I'm looking at their website. They have ranch, cayenne ranch, honey mustard, slim sauce, blue cheese, gravy, honey barbecue, garlic parm, Korean barbecue, southern barbecue, buffalo, sweet red chili, spicy barbecue, hot, sriracha garlic, mango hob, and inferno. They got all the sauces. You got a mango hob in there. You're good to go. That's still, I still say you you get a hand-tossed Domino's pizza and you get their mango hob. Solid. It's over. I'm going to have to give that a go, man. That's a, that's a good flavor. Man. I'm going to give that a go. Yeah, I mean, you just get a, I mean, just a, you know, Domino's, that that hand toss is thick. It's a thick yeah. boy. Man, you eat that crust with that mango hob. Solid. So good. It's funny. I'm, I, yeah. Getting some good pick. You had some good this. picks there. The Raising Canes, I have to go get Raising Canes. I have to figure out how to get Raising Canes. I need to try that. All right. Um, we want to do one more or we go with three? I'm good with three. I got a okay. I got uh 10 10 30 scheduled feeding if uh if the boy wakes okay. up. So yeah. And I'm actually gonna go up and, and eat now because I am hungry. And I had I had, you know, I had my, you know, I guess you could call it a lunch, but it's kind of my pre-dinner club sandwich after uh a round of golf earlier today. There you go. I didn't have to eat when the kids were eating, but I just inhaled three egg rolls when I got in from work. Might have oh, might have almost died and choked on the third one because I didn't necessarily <laughs> chew it, but uh, you know. <laughs> you know what's a you know what's a I don't think it's utilized enough, but an undefeated, in my opinion, dinner. My wife made she went off her grandmother's recipe that was on like a actual index card. Made some beef stroganoff the other night. I'm about to go slam that. It's funny. Michael mentioned that like last week for some reason. He was like, dude, you know what I haven't had in a while? Beef stroganoff. I was like, me either, Michael, but that sounds fucking delicious. Dude, it's, oh. And I like that jealous. I also thought like, man, that'd be a cool, like a cool alias. You'd be like, hey, what's your name? I'm Chuck Stroganoff. I mean, part of the Stroganoff dynasty. Yeah, the meat and pasta dynasty. I'm part yeah. of it. Uh, well, what timing as we close the show? Florida takes down Vandy in the winners bracket. The Gators. Who knew a team in Florida could be good at baseball? Shocking. Um, they are moving on to the semifinals. I have not watched any college baseball this year. Uh, you know, you win a national title and then you can't, you can't get any better. So you just don't no, just it. take off the next year. Don't worry about it. It had, it had nothing to do with just the team no. being terrible. No. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week. Our dear old 
third co-host York could not make it, but he's uh he's grinding, man. He's grinding. Doing big things. So um yeah, homework. We're gonna we're gonna figure out who else was a killer in, in, in other sports. We'll try to uh come up with some answers for next week. But uh for Joe, I'm Zach. This has been the Rad Dad Podcast. Thank y'all for tuning in. Thanks to uh Dr. Pepper for sponsoring Ooh. this episode. Larry Culpepper. Um, we uh we do appreciate them. We appreciate you listening. And uh yeah, until next week, we out. Yeah.